Alright, well if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 1 through 9, and then we're going to jump forward a few verses and go to verses 13 through verse 20. And the title of the message today is Sowing the Gospel Seed. Sowing the Gospel Seed. Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, the scripture says this, He, and that's of course referring to Jesus, began to teach again by the sea, and such a very large crowd gathered to him that he got into a boat in the sea and sat down, and the whole crowd was by the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and was saying to them in his teaching, Listen to this, Behold, the sower went out to sow. As he was sowing, some feed fell, seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched. Because it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and yet it yielded no crop. Other seed fell into the good soil, and as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop and produced thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. And he was saying, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now let's jump to verse 13. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the seed, the word. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown, and when they hear it, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been taken or sown in them. And in a similar way, these are the ones on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Then, when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the words of the world, and Brother Eddie just read a little bit about that in Philippians, right? It says, And the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those are the ones on whom seed was sown on the good soil, and they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. Lord Jesus, we come to you right now, and Father, we just ask you to speak to our hearts. Lord God, I know that today, Father, I need to hear a fresh word. Lord, I know that most likely everybody here today, Lord God, needs to hear a fresh word from you. God, I know that each one of us have difficulties. We have, Lord, things going on in life. But Lord God, I just pray that today you'd help us pull our focus back to the most important thing, and that's you, Jesus, and your word and your gospel kingdom work that you've called us to. I pray that you would open our hearts, minds, and ears to receive it, and I pray, God, that you just remove any distractions from our mind or anything else, Lord, that we might be able to focus today, Lord. And God, I just pray once again you would cleanse me if there be anything in my life that is unrepented of. I just pray it be gone, that I might be a clean vessel that you're able to use as your messenger today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look and think about sowing the gospel seed today, I can't help but think, especially in the world we live today, I don't want to overlook, I know there's still some things to rejoice with. I'm still rejoicing over uh, the, the law that overturned abortion and that we have, I think, 20-something states now that, that abortion is illegal. I'm still praising God for that. But I'm telling you today, we still live in a world right now that I just don't see the evidence of the gospel penetrating the world around us too much. Do you? And you know, today we could blame it on anything or anyone we would 
try to come up with, but ultimately the blame falls on us, the church, doesn't it? I don't know about you, but as I sit here today and I just kind of examine myself and I think about how I go out, how often am I truly sowing the gospel seed? And I want to say this this morning too, there's a big difference between inviting someone to church and sowing the gospel seed. Those are two totally different things, aren't they? To sow the gospel seed, as we're seeing in this parable today, as Jesus is introducing and sharing with his disciples and those that were under his teaching, man, he's talking about going out and witnessing, sharing the gospel. And I had to just kind of get with myself, and I'm an evangelist, right? You'd think, man, that guy's sharing the gospel every day. Well, I'm ashamed to tell you that I don't share it every day. And there's all too often opportunities I miss that I get too busy or I just don't share the gospel or always there's this fear of rejection or there's this uncomfortableness. There's all these things that Satan's working against us and our own flesh is working against us where we don't share the gospel. We don't sow that gospel seed. And I'm telling you today, we know this without a doubt, that there is no other hope for America or anyone else or any other country but the gospel seed. Amen? And so today as we think about sowing the gospel seed, I want to share just four different truths with you. Number one, I want you to hear this and think of this. It takes a great effort and commitment to share the gospel seed. Amen? It takes a great effort and a commitment. Now today, I don't think it's any accident that the Lord Jesus used the parable of a farmer, if you will. And I know most every one of us, we've heard sermon after sermon on this parable and we've thought about it, we've read it, we've been in Sunday school class about it. But man, we can't take away from the simplicity of what we see here, amen, that he used a farmer for a purpose. Because I don't know if you've done very much farming, I've done a very little bit of it. Uh, I've really never had a garden. I remember growing up, I had my grandfather on my dad's side. Uh, I remember running that tiller as we called it. And I remember running that thing between the rows. I remember doing all sorts of stuff. I remember digging potatoes with a hoe, not a tractor. I, I had some experience. Well, then fast forward when I was a pastor over in Oak Grove, there were several different folks in the community that were farmers. And I had one particular guy I had a connection to a hunting buddy of mine. And it was his cousin. He was lost. He was unchurched. And so I began to reach out to him. And, uh, man, he was needing help. And so I remember going out with him, and I'd run a grain cart, and then it Different times of the year, I'd go out with a, a, a disc and everything else. But, you know, and it was still not as hard then in a tractor, but it was still long hours, things like that. But it was still difficult. So it was hard. And I believe today the Lord Jesus, he used this analogy of this illustration to let us know that it's hard. It's difficult, isn't it? That it's no doubt, it's not something easy. It's not, for, as we might would say, the faint of heart. When we go out and purposely share the gospel, we go out and sow the seed of the Word of God, it's hard, it's difficult, it takes commitment, it takes effort, doesn't it? All too often, I think we go out and, and we always want everything the easy way, don't we? Uh, when we think of this analogy of every farmer in America wanted the easy way and wanted to just go out to their fields and just sit out there and, and just kind of go about their business and never plant any seed and never do any uh, uh, chemical spray and things of that nature for for all the different bugs and everything else. And they didn't do any fertilizer and they didn't do any irrigation and they didn't pray for rain and believe for rain or anything else, then we wouldn't have any food at all, would we? But yet we go through our everyday life and we, we truly, I believe, want to see folks saved. We want to see the world around us impacted by the gospel, but yet we go out there in the field and all too often don't plant a single seed, do we? And so we need to recognize, yes, it takes a great effort and commitment. The Lord makes it clear it's hard work, 
but it takes effort and commitment. It's got to be sown. That seed cannot be sown unless we sow it. It cannot take root unless we place that seed there. It cannot be harvested unless that seed is first planted. Amen? So it takes great effort and commitment. Second of all this morning, and I know this is elementary, but it takes faith to sow the gospel seed, doesn't it? It takes faith. You know, another reason I believe all too often you and I will go out and and miss opportunity after opportunity to share the gospel with folks is because we all too often get focused on the soul rather than the seed. We'll go out and we'll look and we'll say, well, you know, man, those people right there, they're just terrible. We know that drug addiction right now is rampant. We know that the sin of homosexuality is elevated and people praise it and it's just crazy. Uh, this transgender, all this sexual sin that's out there, all the wickedness and just evil that is out there right now. I just mentioned a while ago the celebration that we need to keep celebrating the victory in abortion. But can, can you not just see right now all the people that are for it, that are just so mad and angry because innocent babies can't be killed? And when you look at all that and you think about all that's going on around the world, man, it's so easy to look at that and be, think, be thinking, well, man, they're just reprobates that are so far gone and get focused on the soul and we see all that wicked soul that's out there and we forget that we need to have faith in not the soul but the seed that we're planting, amen, which is the gospel, as Paul said, which is the power of God unto salvation. And so we need to begin to really have faith again. I stand before you today and many of y'all know bits and pieces of my testimony, but September 14th of 1997, I will celebrate 25 years of freedom in Christ. And I was one of those wicked guys that we often look at right now and think that's too far gone. Man, I'm telling you, the drugs was rampant in my life, the sexual sin was in my life, all that garbage. And I promise you, man, my, my life did look hopeless. The soul that you're looking at right now looked pretty barren and, and did not look like it could ever take root of anything, of anything value at all. But the gospel, amen, thank God for Brother Johnny Sanders and Point over at Providence Baptist Church knew that he had faith in the gospel that would change my life if he would plant that seed. And on the September 14th of 97, that night, he planted that seed and it did change my life, amen. I love the story. I don't know if you've ever saw the movie Crossing the Switchblade. Or ever heard the story of David Wilkerson? Everybody, anybody ever heard of David Wilkerson? David Wilkerson was a phenomenal, I think he's actually with the Lord now. He was a phenomenal street evangelist, went with a vision. I think he came from Pennsylvania. Ended up in New York City, had this great burden for all the gangs that were over there, the Crips, the Bloods, and everything else. And this country preacher over there, I think he had a farming background, if I'm not mistaken, he goes in there and with this great burden, not focused on the soul, but focused on the seed, the gospel seed. And in faith, he goes out planting that gospel seed. And man, one man, the, one of the first members of one of the gangs he reached was a man named Nicky Six, who also was born again because of that gospel seed that David Wilkerson had faith in rather than the soul, but faith in the seed went out, reached him, and that man, I'm telling you, he's still preaching today, if I'm not mistaken, unless he's gone on to be with the Lord. Man, a fiery evangelist. Uh, I'm telling you, we, we need to have faith today. We need to quit listening to the enemy and thinking the world's too far gone and those individuals that are in our family even and those co-workers or those neighbors or those people we see along the path of life and we think, well, man, they're just too far gone. That's a lie from the devil, Amen. If we have faith, 
not in the soil, but in the seed, then we can see lives change and transform for the gospel. So it takes great commitment and effort. Second of all, it takes faith. And then third of all this morning, sowing the gospel seed, it takes a biblical burden. We've got to ask God to burden our heart again. Amen? Man, we've got to allow our hearts to be broken for folks out there. I know for me, all too often... Uh, I look at people's lives and I think, well, man, they're miserable and they're broken and undone. Well, they deserve it. And I, I just think, well, you know what? You know, they're getting what they deserve. And, and, and I, I kind of turn towards indignation, I want it to be, or maybe even anger. And I think, well, man, those people are just so wicked. And, and I just kind of turn bitter towards them. Have, have you ever been there? And we need to pray God again to break our heart for lost souls to move us to be burdened for lost souls so that we would be moved to, to share the gospel and plant the gospel seed in our lives. I can't think of a better passage. Of course, there's so many illustrations of Jesus and his great burden for the lost and, and how he truly went in obedience to the cross and was beaten beyond even the recognition of a man and then suffered and died on the cross. But, but there's another example that really just grasped me in the word of God and it's the Apostle Paul. This is in Romans chapter 9. When we think about a biblical burden for the lost and a biblical burden to share the gospel, listen to what Paul says here. In Romans chapter 9, verse 1 through verse 3, this passage, this blows my mind. There's so much that Paul said that blows my mind. I love Philippians 1 where he says, for, to live is Christ, to die is gain. I'm that guy that's always fretting, wanting to live longer, wanting to live to be 150. And Paul's saying, man, I just want to die and be with Jesus. But listen to what he says here when we think about a true biblical burden for the lost. Romans chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. He says this, I'm telling the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit. When someone starts out with that, you know they're about to tell you something radical. Amen? He's like, I'm not lying. I'm telling you the truth. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. For Listen to what he says right here. This is... This is amazing. For I could wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. In other words, Paul is saying this. <clears throat> he says, I could wish myself accursed, separated from Christ. He's saying, I am so burdened for my loved ones, for my kinsmen, for, for my acquaintances, for my family. I'm so burdened for them, for, for them to be saved that if it were possible, I could wish myself to be cast into hell. He was pretty burdened for them, wasn't he? He wanted them saved desperately. Man, can, can we say that today? I, I go back to so often myself, I'm so often not even willing to be inconvenienced to share, take time to share the gospel, much less wish that I could be separated from Christ, that they might would be saved. Man, wish that I could be accursed, that they might be saved. He was burdened for lost souls, wasn't he? I think back also, I think it's 2 Corinthians chapter 11, maybe 1 Corinthians, but where Paul, I don't know if you ever read it, where he begins to lay out all the different things he went through and all the persecutions. He talks about the stoning. He talks about the being beaten with rods and, and all the, 30, the 39 lashes that he took and everything else. He starts talking about all that being shipwrecked and, and being without food and being hungry and cold and all those things like that. And I believe this is no accident. When he goes through all that list and starts laying out all those different 
persecutions and different trials and tribulations he went through, he comes with the last part and he says, and on top of all this is the burden of the church. And I believe without a doubt he brought attention to that because the burden of the church was speaking of this great burden that Paul had for lost souls. This great burden to go out and sow the gospel seed. And once again, man, I hope I'm not preaching to the choir here. I hope that you can connect with this, but I promise you, I know that today I stand before you right now not as burdened as I used to be for lost souls. Not as actively sharing the gospel seed as I used to. And that's shameful, isn't it? Man, we need to do something about that. There's a world around us. Yes, if we focus on the soul, we'll be discouraged. We'll be, we'll be, man, sitting back, maybe not doing anything about it. But if we would focus once again on the seed and beg God to burden our hearts and give us a biblical burden for lost souls, our family members, those people right now that you're thinking about that are out there living terrible lives, man, God, move on us that we would be committed and put forth the effort to go out and do something, amen, and share the gospel seed with folks. So it takes a biblical burden. And then last of all this morning, uh, when I think about sowing the gospel seed, I want you to hear this. It's good to have an explanation. Amen? The Lord Jesus gives us an explanation, starting in verse 13. He gives us verse 1 through verse 9, the parable. He, he lays out the parable, and then in verse 13, he gives an explanation of the parable. And also, he gives us a little understanding of why it's so difficult sowing the gospel seed while we see the results we do and sometimes when we don't see the results he gives us an explanation and he breaks it down in four different areas there's four different types of soil that he mentions and the first one I found in verse 15 he says these are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown and when they hear immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them and so this right here, this particular soul, I believe the explanation God has given us that some people, when we go out and we're faithful to sow the gospel seed, no matter how burdened we are, no matter how broken we are, we go out in faith and we share and sow the gospel seed, it just goes in one ear and out the other. I believe that's the explanation he's given us here. He says these are the ones when the gospel seed is sown beside the road where the word is sown, when they hear it, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which they were told. And can't we relate to that today? Shouldn't that help us know that God knows what He's doing? That as you go out, don't be discouraged. The next ten people you share the gospel with, it may go in this ear and come right out that ear. They may smile at you, walk away, and Satan immediately rob them of that word. And if they allow him to do it, he'll do it, right? But don't be discouraged. The Lord Jesus lets us see that, hey, that's going to happen. That's going to happen. The second one is verse 16 through verse 17. He gives another explanation. He says in a similar way, so these two are similar, these are the ones on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. We all can relate to this. We've seen people who we've shared the gospel seed with, they receive it with joy, uh, whether they're saved or not, that's not the question of this parable right now. That's not what he's trying to teach us. He's just trying to teach us the difficulties, the hardships, the ups and downs of sharing the gospel. And he says in verse 17, And they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Then, when affliction or persecution arises, because of the word, immediately they fall away. 
And so here's another explanation. I believe this is those that are so de, uh, just wanting it the easy way. They, they're the ones that possibly get saved or, or pray a prayer whether they get saved or not. The Lord knows. But they have these things. They go through the motions, if you will. They respond and they, there seems to be joy. But in the backdrop of all of it, often there's those folks that they're thinking, I want the easy way out. Yeah, I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. Uh, you know, I want my life. Uh, now, the gospel, uh, sad to say, but the gospel of America today is this. Come to Jesus. You'll never be sick again. You'll never be broke again. You won't have problems. Life is amazing. It's just so awesome. It's the Yellow Brick Road experience. It's just amazing, right? Well, when people hear that and they respond to it, and then persecution comes, real life takes place. Difficulties, tribulation, all those things happen. Well, then they exit the building, right? It says immediately, then they fall away. So listen, the Lord Jesus is preparing us because I'm telling you, when I was a pastor especially, it was more, more, uh, um, it affected me more then, I guess, because it was so more, more real. I, I wasn't leaving areas because now when I go to different places or if I'm at a revival here and someone gets saved or whatever, I get to celebrate that. I rejoice with that. But often I don't know the Paul Harvey. I don't know the rest of the story. I don't know whether they ever show up for church again, you know. But as a pastor, I was at that same pulpit every Sunday morning, every Sunday night. And man, I'd see people respond to the gospel just like this right here. And it'd seemingly be with joy. And then life would happen, difficulties Things would happen and then they would be gone. Often you'd never see them ever again, sad to say. And man, that would be so discouraging. And often I would be so discouraged and just down. And, and I'm not saying we shouldn't be burdened by it, we shouldn't be bothered by it, we shouldn't go after them. For certain we should. But I'm telling you today, we shouldn't let it surprise us. Jesus has given us an explanation that if you're faithful to go out and sow the gospel seed, there's going to be people respond and it's going to be seemingly with joy but there's going to be people who fall away, isn't it? The Lord's not happy about that. He's not satisfied about it. And neither should we be. But we shouldn't be surprised by it. And we shouldn't let the enemy blindside us into not going out and sharing the gospel because we know they're going to fall away and, and be discouraged and not doing it. The third explanation he gives us is in verse 18 and verse 19. <coughs> he says this, And others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So these, I believe, are the ones that are just distracted. The things of the world, the thorns and thistles of the world, these folks we share the gospel with, they are so distracted, the seed is sown, they may listen or whatever, but the distractions and all the things of the world just chokes that seed out where it never is able to take root and have any effect on their life. And man, I can tell you, I mentioned a while ago, I've had a little bit of gardening experience with my grandfather. My wife's had a garden or two. Man, and I've been out in farm and fields and West Carroll Parish and other areas like that and doing stuff, but there is one I forgot about. Man, a few years back, it's probably seven, eight years ago, my boss who I work for right now, he and I had had partnered together and, and uh, we were doing some outdoor ministry together and we bought some land over in Bosco, Louisiana. And man, I'm telling you, y'all hear me talk about, a lot about hunting, but 
but when I really do what I'm supposed to do, I not only just go out there and kill some animals, I try to use it to be able to use that as an opportunity to share the gospel with people. And so we had this place over in Bosco, and man, we would bring in wounded warriors and St. Jude's kids, different stuff like that. And man, we'd take them on deer hunts and stuff like that. Well, this one particular year, I was like, look, man, we got this five acres across the road. It's open field. We've got another big food plot that's probably close to five acres. And I was like, man, I go out to my buddy's place over in uh, Eastland, Texas, and he's got sunflowers planted and just doves, just uh, doves, doves come in by droves. And man, it's just awesome. And, and you know, people love to dove hunt. And I was like, we're going to do that. And so here I go. I was like, I'm planting sunflower seeds in both those places. Well, listen, the five acres across from the road from where the camp was, I don't even remember how much I planted. I just remember spending lots of money on seed and fertilizer. And I'm telling you, as God's my witness, that five-acre field, do you know how much or how many sunflowers came up? Zero. Zero. And you know why? Because that five-acre field that had been growing up for a few years, and I just went out there and bush hogged it and threw out a bunch of seed and never dissed it, just threw out seed and threw out fertilizer, everything else, all those weeds and everything else, just choked it out. It didn't do anything. Nothing was done. It was totally unfruitful. But listen, that's going to happen when we go out and share the gospel too, isn't it? There's going to be people that are so distracted and and man, that seed will get choked out by the world. And of course, we need to continue to share and share. And of course, I love what Paul, when, when they were having all the arguments about who baptized who and who's baptizing those people and everything else, remember what Paul said? He said, one man waters, one man sows, one man waters, and who the Lord gives the harvest. And so, man, we just got to keep on going and going. People are going to be distracted. The seed's going to get choked out. That's why we got to keep on going and planting and planting. Man, I've heard of farmers, going back to the illustration as he talks about this right here. Man, I've heard of farmers who would go out, prepare the field. Man, I'm talking about do everything. There's times they put urea and lime. They do all kinds of stuff to that soil. They're doing soil analysis, and they do all this work. They go out there, and they plant the seed. Man, they fertilize it, do everything else. And sometimes early on in that crop's life, something will happen, whether it's a flood, whether it's just some reason the seed didn't germinate right or whatever. And you know what they'll do? They'll go back to the bank and get another crop loan, and they'll replant that whole entire field. And so, man, what an example for us, going back to the same thing. Jesus knew what he was doing when he shared this example, when he shared this illustration. Man, there's a lot of folks in our life that we may have shared the gospel seed with, it got choked out. It never took root. We need to share it again. We need to replant. Amen? We need to go back and, and listen. The fact of the matter is they probably don't even remember it. We need to share the gospel once again with them. And then the last soul or example he gives us, of course, is the best of all. That's in verse 20. And this is where we need to be encouraged because we need to be focused, as I already said, on the seed. Because when we focus on the seed and with that biblical burden, go out in faith... This is what we will see sooner or later. We're going to see this. Verse 20. And those are the ones on whom seed was sown on the good soil. They hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. Isn't that amazing when the Lord allows us to see that? Bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. Man, today, if Lord willing, we're stopping in Dallas to see a young man by the name of Garrett. I'll never forget when I met Garrett 
oh man, I, I don't know, probably about 18 years ago, something like that. This was a young man. I, I just, he lived in uh, Honduras. He lived in Harrisonburg, Louisiana. Never met him before in my life. He came into my life, and man, I just, he was already saved, but I just remember pouring into him and loving on this kid and everything else. And man, he's one of those ones that's producing fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. He, he's been in ministry now for the last, I don't know, probably 12 years. At one point, he was the, the youth minister over the entire state of Texas for the uh, SBCT. Now he's a full-time evangelist. And man, I'm telling you, if we're faithful to go out and sow the gospel seed, there will be garrets in our life, men, women of God, that take the gospel seed and allow it to take root in their life. They allow it to change their life, and they'll produce fruit, and lives will be changed. And that's when it's beautiful, isn't it, then, where it multiplies like crazy. I'm thinking of another illustration. I told you I don't have a whole lot of gardening experience or farming, but I remember my wife, when we lived in Oak Grove, she decided she was going to have a garden, and you know what, she, one of the things she planted was jalapeno peppers. And I'll never forget those bad boys. They grew. Anybody ever grew peppers before? I don't know what, it, I guess it's the same for everybody. Man, I'm telling you, they just grew and grew and grew and grew. Man, they were amazing. And I'm telling you, that's what we can also see if we're faithful to go out and share the gospel seed. There's going to be those along the wayside. There's going to be those distracted, those that get choked out, those that... Man, they fizzle out. They fall away. All that's going to happen. He's telling us that. It's going to be hard. It's going to be discouraging. It's going to break our heart a hundred times every day. But there's going to be some of them produce fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. But we've got to be faithful to go out and share the gospel. Amen?